Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Jock Mailbag, which is actually the final episode of Jock Mailbag. And Clarky, we can get all smushy at the end, but uh, you're here, and thanks for the season. How are you? I'm very good, and like you said, we'll get into the mushy stuff later, but you know, thank you once again for having me and running this boy and leading me through the great Mailbag podcasts. And we've got the sleeved crusader, our fearless leader who claims he's not a leader at all, Lekdog. <laughs> Hello, Damo. Hello, Clarky. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And I will point out to the people listening at home who are from regional Victoria that your intro reminds me of, hello, hello, it's Chris and Mari from the Garden Centre ads that all Victorians will know. I know that's meaningless to most of you out there, but Chris and Mari, shout out to you. We uh, we definitely should revamp the intro for next year and we can do it that way. Hello, hello, it's Damo and Clarky. All right, well, moving on. Um, <laughs> the reason this is the final episode is because not a lot of questions are coming through. We've probably... It's probably getting to the point of the season where a lot of people uh, sort of got their teams all, you know, all completed and there's not a lot of questions that are needing to be answered. So we'll sign off from here and we'll come back in the preseason for 2022 and hopefully help you build your teams. And Speaking of building teams, uh, I'll be the first to admit I made some mistakes in my starting team and, and my year was probably over about four weeks ago and... I probably should have held players longer than I did and not been worried about losing cash and all that sort of stuff with my rookies to sort of keep my trades a little bit longer. But um, we live and we learn. Like, what? how did you structure your team this year to start the season? Well, I decided I was going to do things a little differently this year. And instead of going guns and rookies, I went guns and rookies. And I had a big focus on picking players who were historically durable had no injuries during the preseason, no question marks over them. So that's how I avoided guys like Dangerfield, guys like Cripps, guys like Matt Rowell. I avoided all them. Jake Lloyd I avoided as well, who admittedly has been pretty damn good this year. And I just went with uh, with some solid guns and rookies, went with guys like Dane Zorko and Tom Stewart and all those sort of guys. But it did unfortunately mean I didn't take a risk on Zebel and Impey, which we've discussed Many, many times on the main pod, it has not served me well. Yeah, I probably should have picked Zebel and Impy as well, but I didn't to begin with the, the season. And I'll talk about my team after we talk to Clarky. What was your mindset when you were picking your team at the beginning of the season? Well, I did start Zebel, but not Impy. So between the three of us, we were halfway there. Um, yeah, I, I know that 2021 has definitely been the year of the what are we doing with the forwards, and it was definitely even worse at the start of the year. Like I started with Dunkley, who was brilliant right up until the injury. I started Dangerfield, who immediately got suspended. I started Raul, who about three seconds into the 2021 season was done. And despite all of that, I think this year... In terms of structuring, I was pretty happy. I loaded up in the defense. I've been pretty consistent all year. And so far, this has actually been my best year as super coach. Um, you know, I mean, I'm very green, I would say, in terms of I'm learning quite a lot and constantly adapting. But I think that 
really helped me to take as much on board and has just been consistent improvement. So yeah, I think loading up on defense seemed to be the the go for me that really helped at the start of the year. Yeah, so I didn't uh, start Zabel and Impy as I mentioned earlier, and I probably could have structured my forward line a bit better as well, only starting with probably not even a premium in Zach Butters as my uh, first forward. I probably could have restructured my team to give my to give me a better balance because as soon as I had an injury in the forward line, it was starting to be very bare bones, and I was in strife when forwards were going down every week. I mean, Butters turned into Dunkley and then Dunkley turned into, I can't remember who Dunkley turned into, but but I'm, I think that player got, got injured too. So, you know, it was the forward line really couldn't function and as well as it probably should have. I probably should have used someone else, to uh, probably should have started a rookie in place of someone else to structure my forward line a bit better. And I was sort of stuck on players that had good pre-seasons that I was already thinking about. So Jaden Short, I wasn't really in the camp of the Jaden Short um, fan club, but he had an awesome preseason, and so I sort of decided to myself that I had to start him, but then I also had to start other players, and they were also in defense, which meant I didn't have any money in the forward line or in the midfield, and I probably should have I probably should have made a list of players I could start now and players I could look to trade in later, and I didn't do that, and I tell people to do it. I just don't do it myself, so, you know. Do as we say, not as we do. That's the mantra here at Jock Reynolds. I don't know what the Latin is, but we need to get a, a, a crest with that written in Latin under it. Yeah, it's the top three is do as we do as we suggest and not as we do. Socks up, sleeves down. Uh, the core Jock Reynolds belief system. Yeah, as well as beliefs that prevent me from being good at super coach. Like if I pick players that I like, they will get injured and not play anymore. A la players that I was absolutely convinced would be awesome picks this year. Daniel Rich, Sam Walsh, these sort of players. I've got a whole list of them. Jordan Dawson that are all very comfortably top 10 in their positions. And I can't pick any of them because I will curse them. Let's talk about someone that you did select, Lechdog. I don't know who this person is because you're going to tell us. Who was your best starting selection? Yes, that's a good question. Uh, I'm just looking at my trade history. I've traded out, I did trade out in the end three players I started with in Jordan Clark, Spud, Caleb Daniel, was very angry that day, and Josh Dunkley, who obviously got injured. But my best starting selection, I reckon it's going to be the man that probably cost me. <laughs> the ability to, to have a really high rank early on, it's Dane Zorko because I didn't pick Impy slash. It was between him or Impy and Zebul. Obviously, they together have outscored him, but I'm pretty damn happy with what he's produced for me. He's the second ranked forward. He's currently 652K. He's averaging 112.4 over the year, 133 over his last five. Like I've been happy to just have him in my team and I can't remember what I what his starting price was. I think it was about five twenty five k. I was very comfortable having paid that for him. I tried to talk people out of my best starting selection. I told people that you shouldn't fall for someone who increased their average during a shortened season and shortened quarters where impact was king. And the scoring sort of continued in into this season with impact being king. So Jack Steele was a perfect starting pick for, for me and. I'm sorry if anyone took my advice and didn't start him, but um, I went against my advice. You know, do, 
do as I say, not not as I do, or in, or in this case, don't listen to me at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I started Jack Steele. So he would comfortably be my best starting selection. Clarky, what about you? I don't think any of like the really out there picks that I had have really popped off. Um, like the guys I did pick, I tried to focus on consistency a lot when I was building my original side because these were the people that I wanted. So I think Tom Stewart has probably been one of my favorites. Um, he's been pretty consistent all year. Rory Laird as well. I think it's goes without saying that his season has been really enjoyable um, as an owner. But I, I weirdly have to say that one of my favorites that I've kept all the way through has probably been Joe Danaher. Um, I think, I don't know, Lechdog, if you'll remember back to our chaotic Brisbane pocket podcast where I suggested that he may average 90 uh, at a max. Uh, he's currently averaging 77 and the the happy home mantra seems to have kind of really paid off and he's still in my side now actually, but that's because I have no traits. Yeah, I thought it was ludicrous that anyone would consider him injury history, mid-pricer, key forward, admittedly. I don't think any of us saw this uh, key forward um, renaissance begin. But, yes, no, he's been been solid. Like I, he, He's made 160 grand for the year, which is all right. But most importantly, the scoring's been there. And he's the 19th ranked forward. If you started him on your bench, you wouldn't be unhappy with him or F6. Clarky, any trade you'd like back? Oh, oh yeah. There's so many. Uh, I trade there- is there one that sticks out in your mind that you probably shouldn't have been as trigger happy with? Uh, the I'm sure Lech Dog can empathize with me. Caleb Daniel should never have come into my side, should never have left my side, and then should never have come back in again to only leave my side again. That's that that's that's my season. Like I've I've made definitely some passionate mistakes. I'm going to call them. Um, that I won't be making next year. I'll probably try and be a bit more conservative, but that's probably the biggest one that I look back and I go, look, you know, I traded Sam Walsh to Bontempelli. That's kind of worked out okay. But that one, that cost me quite a lot. Yeah, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about Caleb Daniel, but my trade, the, the infamous tweet trade that I made it earlier in the year, my replacements for Dunkley, and Campbell. So when Dunkley went down in round seven, I traded Jack Zebel at 540k, which is, uh, you know, it's okay for a premium. But I, they then tweeted out, what should I do with my second trade? And I and I said, I'm leaning towards Adam Trelaw. And you, I think, I can't remember if you were supportive of me, but a lot of people weren't. I said, I'm not listening to them. I traded in Trelaw. He lasted four games before getting injured, he lost a hundred grand, and I don't think he turned up since when he entered my team. So that's definitely one I'd like back. I think that was the week I was a guest on the main pod, and I said to you I didn't mind it because he'd been in good form. Oh, he had like a four or five round average of a hundred and like eighteen or something. Yeah, so I didn't mind the trade in at, at at the time, um, but he was definitely one of the points of difference that you. Rather, rather than one of the common options that that you could have gone for, and I know you do love your your pods. Yes, that was pretty much the driving factor. But the fact was, he was still really expensive. I'm looking back now, and like with 568 grand, I could get anyone in the goddamn game. Like, oh, oh, it's all right. It's okay. 
Um, I got frustrated with Tim Taranto and traded him. Probably should have kept him in hindsight, even though his scoring hasn't been that great. I probably should have kept him. Um, and I traded Matthew Flynn way too early. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I didn't listen to my buy planner. I wasn't going to trade him. I was going to hold him through the buys. I was going to use Fullerton to swing. I panicked. I went early on Reeves. I didn't listen to myself, and I missed out on a lot of points and a lot of cash. It's my favorite part, I think, about Supercoach. It's just like the passion that your brain gets where you just go, I need to do this. Regardless of all other advice, (laughs) I need to do this. All planning and all advice. Yeah, and then, I mean, like on the flip side of my Caleb Daniel thing, for some reason I kept Josh Kelly through his early eight rounds of being misplayed week after week, convincing myself, no, this is the week Leon Cameron gets hit with a mallet and has the common sense come back. Um, which is paid off now. So it swings around abouts. So how are we going to manage our teams for the rest of the season? Do you guys have any trades left? Damo, I can't believe you would bring this up in front of everybody. Uh, I do not have any trades left. I uh, also do not have any trades left. Lek, do you have any trades? What? You guys are nuts. I'm, I'm panicked and I've got four <laughs> trades left. I've got enough okay. for 0. 0.8 would- per game. I would like to defend myself here. I actually left myself with a with a team that only needed one upgrade that I was and I, and and four trades left after the buy rounds and I was going to hold them as hold it as long as possible so that so just in case an injury came around or whatever I was going to make my final upgrade just like a luxury sort of trade one person out one person in at however much they cost 300 400k whatever whatever it was. I have had injury after injury after injury. Now I'm fielding Lucky Bramble at my f- and Jeremy Sharp looping that between my final midfield position, which thank God Lucky Bramble scored 120. My my year just came just came to a sudden halt. Well, to be fair, I mean I've got four trades left, but I've also got an awful team, and I've got several players averaging under under 90 points per game on my field. But, you know, then swings and roundabouts. i got six weeks to try and gain about 5,000 ranks until I'd be comfortable to reveal my rank. Yeah, so, I mean, most of my rest of the season will be just nailing my captaincy options. And and it might and I might captain, I don't know, Tom Stewart in one game just because I can. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> I love it. I look, I think, yeah, I... I definitely, you know, I, I've used my lack of trades as a teaching moment um, where, yeah, I think definitely, you know, you look at it and you go, all right, I definitely should have just managed myself a lot better. And these are the great things we can take into 2022. Uh, I can't wait to VC Joe Danaher. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I, I actually don't know if there's a way to go back and check. But I the one thing I've nailed and the only reason my like I'm even I'm I'm above you know rank fifty thousand is because I do nail my captains uh, pretty much every week. I think there's been one week where I had Max gone and he scored a hundred and two, and every other week it's been like a one thirty plus. So I that's the one skill I seem to have in this game. I know one hundred and fifteen is not a great captaincy score, but I've only had one week where my captain didn't score more than one hundred and fifteen. So um, I think it was the week Max Gorn ended up on like seventy nine or something. And yep. I think I think that was the game versus North Melbourne. I think back. So you know, everyone's going to have a down game. It's just unlucky that we've picked him in his down game to be captain that that week. And 
I guess I can already guess what our takeaway for next season is, and especially for me and Clarky is don't be so trigger happy. I'm going to I'm gonna hold players probably a week longer than I should, just just to keep a trade if if if, if I have to. And if and if everyone in my team has got that green little tick because they're playing, I'm probably I there might not be a trade. I might just hold. It's easy to lie to yourself now. It's very easy to lie to yourself now. Damn it. I know, I know. I was I very think- conservative at the start of the year. I, I didn't lose rank until I started trading. I, I might pick a team and not trade at all. I think my other takeaway for next season is I need to not get so hung up on players that I like in the preseason. Not get so get to the point where I where my team looks uncomfortable without the minute. That's why I started five deep in defense. That's why I only started one one premium in the in, in the forward line. That's, I mean, I, I, I need to work out who's going, who's probably priced above what they're going to average. Who's going to be able, who am I going to be able to trade in later on? Can I, I need to keep a structure at the beginning of the season. And I also need to not be so trigger happy if someone's not performing the, the way that I want them to. I need to be prepared to lose a bit of cash, even, even if it means sitting through a premium scoring 80s and, and, and 90s for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think even if that, even if you you do that, and say you're playing for rank and you're still struggling, you know, you're you're not in the, say your aims top ten thousand and you're not getting there, you're still going to have more fun by the end of the year by still having trades left. You're going to be more engaged in the game and still participating, you know, for this final six rounds. If you have trades and you're left over and you're able to do that, and I think being conservative is a way to actually being conservative early is a way to keep yourself in the game long term, even if it's not. You know, in terms of winning the the cash, it's in terms of just enjoyment because it's a fun thing to do. This little dumb hobby of ours. We haven't really let Clarky talk. What's your takeaway for next season? Uh, I think um, just just not rushing myself. So in the same vein of not being trigger happy, I think part of it was is that you know, as I was saying, you know, this season has actually been my most successful because I've not been playing Supercoach that long, and my first years have been terrible, uh, despite the great advice from the Jock Reynolds podcast. Uh, feel free to listen. And this year, I think I got so excited that, you know, I was like top 5K, which is higher than I've ever been. And at some points I was like top 3K and I was just like, okay, cool. I have to keep on improving and keep on improving. Whereas knowing and teaching yourself when is right to jump on and off people is much more valuable in the long run where it's like, oh, well, I missed this guy's 140. You know, that's that's going to cost me. And then, going, well, hang on, I've just traded out a guy now who is come back and scored a 120 next week. So I'm not actually losing that much by holding, wouldn't have lost that much by holding on to him. So backing those initial selections is probably something I could have done better. Uh, and avoiding injury <laughs> by some miracle definitely helps. So backing your research, I think, at the start of the season and not trying to rush yourself to get to you know the end game, like like we're saying, you get more enjoyment by playing the long game. And if you can just maintain consistency through that, you know, yeah, there's so many people out there willing to help and the great community that we have. Yeah, I think being, you know, the, that just consistently scoring those 2,100, 2,200 rounds throughout the entire year, you're going to be pretty well placed for rank. You're probably not going to win the 50K, but it's it's like these guys in Supercoach every year, like Tom Hawkins and stuff, who they're not sexy picks, but by the end, they have games where they score 20, but by the end of the season, you look at the total points rankings and, 
these guys are in the top 10 and if you just picked them, then you'd be in a good place. So I think sometimes boring is good and sometimes being measured is is good and, and can pay dividends in the end, whereas uh, jumping on trends that aren't necessarily good trends like picking Jordan Clark, like trading in Jack Bowes, these sort of things, which I did on a whim without having actually prepared or planned for, I think they sting. I think they sting, so... It's probably a bit more technical as well, but I think probably like the one thing that maybe like I know myself, I think I neglected when doing my preseason research specifically was understanding how roles impact scoring, um, which is why this year I kind of took a bit more of an effort, which is why I picked guys like Joe Danaher. And I know that he's not Jack Zebel, who is probably the best example of is out is probably outperforming what you would have expected. He had a great role as a forward option to score big points but i think joe danaher it's like he's taking ruck minutes so he gets points for small hit outs he's probably good for one or two goals he's getting the ball he's kind of working around it a bit more so does that make him better value um and yeah as i said it's a bit more technical and probably a bit more research required into it but understanding how roles can impact scoring definitely helps you feel more confident in your picks and it's a it's a cash. Sorry, I know you need to move on, but it's a it's a it's a kind of how you invest your money situation. Particularly the side of the year, you pick Joe Danaher, knowing that he's probably going to score eighties, seventy fives, whatever. If you if you've got him on field, forget the investment, the money investment. If you've got him on field instead of a rookie who is scoring fifty, after ten rounds, you're going to be three hundred points up or whatever it is. So. I think that's a really smart pick and it's not something I thought about. I thought the guns would outscore the difference between the rookies and those cheaper dudes. But I think they, they at the end of the day, they probably don't. We'll move on because we've talked about that for far too long. Well, not far too long. <laughs> it's just, just for longer than I anticipated. Who's our first picked for 2022? Sean Darcy. Yeah, I mentioned this on the last podcast. Sean Darcy is going to be my first picked, and my second picked is going to be Andrew Brayshaw. <laughs> Hashtag Brayshaw breakout more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Um, I think for me, I definitely I have really, really, really missed out by not picking um, – like I picked Dunkley and I feel like we missed out a good part of the season. So I think he'll probably be really close to my top if he can get some good form for finals. He's got a whole preseason. But I think not picking Bontempelli at the start of the year has kind of hurt me in the long run. So I think maybe trusting him to be a good consistent scorer for a year is kind of something I shouldn't ignore. I was thinking about this the other day. My starting team next year could possibly have four or five Western Bulldogs players in it. Okay. Who? So Jack McRae, Marcus Bontempelli, Josh Dunkley, Tim English, and <sighs> forward line. Yep. If because I can because I can probably go with Grundy Darcy in the in the on the ruck line, put a put a dual position player at R three. Tim Eng, Tim English in my, in my forward line. If those buy rounds line l- l- line up, that's going to be a very very shrewd starting combination. I don't mind it. Chuck a Rowan Marshall in for good measure as well. 
If his foot's okay. Yeah. Lek, who's your first pick for 2022? Uh, yeah, it's probably Marcus Bontempelli. Champion data, love him. If there's anyone that jumps out in these last six weeks that champion data seem to be loving, I'll be looking at them. Obviously, the, the correct answer is Sam Walsh, but I, for, for legal, legal reasons, yeah. can't select him. So it'll be Marcus Bontempelli, Sean Darcy we like, Darcy Parrish we like. Would like to see how that midfield lines up when Dylan Shield and and uh, what's his name McGrath are back in McGrath 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 yep. are back into that side. Um, but yes, Bontempelli probably has to be it. Who's someone you're not going to pick for your 2022 side, despite the popularity that they might have? <sighs> I need to see Darcy Parish break a tag. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I think he's going to be very, very, very expensive, and that's going to come into people's thoughts. I'm just trying to see who's popular this year. Dustin Martin is not someone I'm going to be picking. I don't care how cheap he is. I don't care I how good he, well he plays in the grand final. I'll not be picking him. He's the most picked player in Supercoach this year. Um, I am probably not the only person to think this, and it breaks my tiny red and blue heart. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to start Max Gorn next year. With and the rise of Luke Jackson, and, and I don't think the reliance is as great on him as it was. So I'm with you there, Clarky. I don't know if I'm going to start Max Gorn, but obviously we've got to see how the ruck line looks next season. Yeah, and I it, think it's a shame as well, because I don't think Max Gorn is playing particularly poorly. I just think the role that he has is not the 140 um a week sorry like i cut you off there well i was just gonna say that next season if if the trend lines continue the way they are this season sean darcy will be more expensive than max gorn and <laughs> nick nat newey might be more expensive than nick, than max gorn it's gonna be very hard to look at max gorn as one of the cheaper ruckmen and and not want to select him <laughs> but If Sean, I don't know what Sean Darcy's price is going to be next year. If he continues at the current rate, he's going to average like 140 by the end of the year, which he's averaging over his last five. His price is going to be like over 700 grand, and I'm not spending that on a player again. If he finishes the season averaging 120, he's going to be about 660k to start the season next year. Yeah, wow, that's and that's and that's if they go by the same magic number that they did this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I think there's going to be a bit of uh, a bit of movement in in the ruckman in this off season as well. So it's going to be interesting. But yes, I'm not ready to write Max Gorn off just yet. He might average 150 for the final six games. I think Rory Laird is probably somebody as well in that conversation with the removal of his defensive option, um, just because it puts him in contest with a lot of really top tier mids. So he might end up being a bit more of a pod. That's and why he, I want to pick him. And, yeah. he, and he doesn't score horribly, though. So people might not pick him because he's no longer a defender, but there'll be people that do because he is averaging, what is it, 114 at the moment. He's going to – people are going to pick him just because they can, just because no one else is. He's not scoring horribly. It's just the fact that he's not your McCrae's. He's, he's, he's not your Merritt's. He's not your Bontempelli's. He's, he's not your Steele. He's, he's, he's not your – People are going to pick Lockie Neal over over Rory Laird because Lockie Neal is going to be at a cheaper price. Yeah, Laird is the eleventh ranked midfielder this year. I'm sure uh, Dane Zorko. I don't know if he retains 
mid to f- mid forward, but we'll see. Uh, Josh Dunkley forward mid. Oh, that's by average. Let me go by total points so I don't make a complete fool of myself. Roy Led is the tenth averaging, uh, the tenth ranked midfielder this year. That's pretty damn good. I'll be looking at him as a pod. He's going to be expensive. It's going to be like a six hundred k spend. So that's justification. But I I like I, I'm. But I did this all year. I zagged when everyone zigged, and that's why I'm bad. So I think um. If looking at it now, based on current averages, it might even work out uh, that I'll move Rory Led as a mid starter, and Jack Zebel will be a defensive starter for me. Yeah, it's a good call. All right, well, we've reached the end of the podcast. We've reached the end of the first season of Mailbag, Clarky. You have been awesome to have every single week. Your advice has been on point, even if we haven't agreed on everything. So I just want to thank you for the entire season so far, and we'll pick things back up in the preseason. Um, I think it goes uh, unsaid quite a lot uh, with just how much you have put into this. I know this is the mushy part, so everybody, please listen up. If if you were unaware just how much work Damo puts into this every week, it's... It's beyond belief because he's just on it. He knows what he's doing. And I genuinely could not have been more happy to be a part of this. And yeah, love you, boys. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's been awesome. I also want to apologize to the Phantom for messaging him about 80 times before he actually got him onto the podcast. And I also want to apologize to all the people that I did reach out to that I didn't actually end up finding a slot for because I thought we were going to have a bit more time at the back end of the season, but I've had to reach back out to them and said that they're on our short list for next season now. So um, yeah, people were, so people were keen, but um, we just, we just couldn't make it happen. Yeah. To, to all of our guests, actually, to anyone who did make it on for the first season, Thank you. Uh, we we love and appreciate you, and you know the guys at No Super Coach Edge. Uh, we had Damo on, and we had Ben from uh, God Inside, Super Coach from, Insiders. From in, They're insider, all Super Coach. Yep. Somebody needs to take the Super Coach as the first part. Inside Super Coach, uh, Ben. We had Al Payton. We had <laughs> we had the Phantom, um, and we had the beautiful boys. And it's only fitting that we have our fearless sleeved leader on this final episode. Fearless sleeved leader. Fellas, you've done a fantastic job. I said the other day that I was, to you, Damo, I'm very proud of you both. You've uh, you've come on like a bloody, a bloody breakout player. It's been a pleasure to watch and listen. You do a wonderful job and you guys keep help keep me sane. So well done to you. I'm glad that the... The podcast got up and I'm really looking very much forward to season two of The Mailbag. Which will be launching in the pre-season. I will be around, but I'm now off to have a little bit of a break before we start the Supercoach BBL content later on in the year. So uh, I'll see you when I see you, community. Goodbye for now, but not forever. Peace out.